state and still draw them at every forum. Don't lose no points, I just score them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the forum. I go by the name of Charles Diamond, aka Black Bruce Dwayne, Michael Carter Williams, here with Ali, aka Still the Coughing Boy. Coughing, not coughing, coughing. <laughs> Raj, aka Unwritten Rules. Wow, Raj, that was direct into the... Let's get this going, we're back. Let, let people know. <laughs> My man's been hard at work for a couple weeks straight, just back and forth, so he's oh, like, let's man. get to business. You think you like staying in a hotel until you're there for like eight days, and you're like, I want my bed back. So, yeah, <laughs> that's very fair. That's yes, very fair. Yes. You know, something wild uh, actually about beds. I know this is going very off topic, but we normally do this, so whatever. I recently got a new bed. Nice. I upgraded from a twin size. Yes, tw- I've been having a oh. twin size bed my whole life. Wow. What? And yeah, and at age twenty four. I just went to a full, not a queen, but a full. <laughs> nice, nice. And let me tell you something. I have never, like, I know it sounds weird, but I have never loved my bed before. Like, I, you know how people are like, I love my bed, like being in my bed. And I'm always like, eh, it's all right. Like, I can, <laughs> I'm okay with being in it like a, other beds. Like, I, I, my bed isn't special. Yo, I got a full. It's the first time I can put both my hands to the side. And like, obviously, it's still like kind of drooping off on one side. But, like, mm-hmm. I could spread my legs. I could turn around. I could, like, literally, like, roll over and not fall off my bed. Yeah. It. So, like, I, a twin, you roll and you're just on the floor. Yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> you're okay. just on the floor. There's no turning. If right. you turn, you have to, like, pick up your body and, like, like actually sit on your stomach then. But, like, I could actually turn. I can move. I genuinely love my bed. Nice. Like, I love my bed. So, wait, wait. Are you saying the sleep hits different now? Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> rush, rush. <laughs> the, the, you don't even understand. Like, the way you said it isn't right. Listen, the sleep hits different. <laughs> Man. It's... It can't hit Yo, that I... different because you were grammatically correct. If it really hit different, it would just hit different. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I could fit two pillows on my bed. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. You can't you can't be you can't be cuddling in a twin. You no. can't cuddle in a twin size bed. <laughs> no, not at all. There's no there's none whatsoever. You you go to the couch for that. <laughs> in my house you have to go to the couch. It's not possible. Oh man. I have I have high emotional needs. I require a lot of affection. I'm a cancer, so that's that's you know, if you're into astrology, you already know I need attention. So college was a rough time because I need my cuddle time. You can't be that just don't work. <laughs> I just gonna, don't work. I'm not gonna go on this for too long, but like my like my nobody was happier with the with the change of the bed than my girlfriend. Like anytime <laughs> we would cuddle, oh. anytime we would cuddle my bed, it wasn't working. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. <laughs> and literally, there was a time period where she wouldn't come over, and it was me always going over. And I literally asked, like, "What is happening?" And she goes, "It's just your bed. It's so small. I can't. <laughs> I can't handle it." She's like, "It's so uncomfortable." And I think that played a major role in the change. Yeah, but. Yeah, she's like, I'm bringing a sleeping bag over. Is that what happens? <laughs> no, we would literally like be moving every five seconds, and I'd be like, Why are you moving so much? And I'm like, She's like, It's your bed. It's not possible to get comfortable. <laughs> your, your your version of cuddling in the bed was sitting, legs crossed, <laughs> facing each other with your hands holding. <laughs> this, is, this is intimate. <laughs> even even when I went even when I went to college like uh, a few years ago, I literally had a twin bed all of college. Yeah, that uh, Lakers SBN money be coming in, huh? That's why. 
<laughs> actually, actually, uh, no, I got this bed for free from. A oh, oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's the best. The best is when you come up at no cost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you want to hear something funny? Go ahead. I got this bed for my girlfriend. <laughs> wow! It was, it was her bed, and she moved, and she moved, and she wasn't gonna use this bed. So she's like, "Do you want it?" And I'm like, "Oh, you so want me to take this?" <laughs> and so, and so I took it, and it was just—it's the best bed. Yo, she was thinking out for herself, bro. I'm yeah, not gonna yeah, lie. That's exactly. What I mean, was. I respect it at the same time, but she was like, "I'm not trying to get off the train to see this man <laughs> after a couple hours, and I gotta sit." Figured it all out. That's why, you know what? Sometimes selfishness is actually altruism when you think there, about it. There were times when we would sit on my twin size bed and instead of just cuddling, we just sit on it like it was a couch. Like it's just not, <laughs> it's not possible to lay on it. So you just sit. There's a chair. Not a yeah, bed. exactly. All right. So speaking of coming up for, for free real quick, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I got a new car a couple weeks Ooh. ago. Oh, Ooh. nice. What car did you get? So I got an, uh, an Acura TSX. Nice. It's an 06 because I ain't got money like that. But <laughs> my old my old car was an 01. So, uh, oh I wow. Think, uh, how, yeah, my how, old how? car my old car could fight in the army. So, so it's like eight years. Oh no, wait, it's five yeah. years new. That's that's, that's good. yeah, Tell like me, that's what, wild. That's good. Like how my I said told the differences of my old bed to the new bed. What's the differences from the old car to the new car? Well, well, it's so the differences are stark. Um, for one, it looks like it's five years younger. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my old car had so you know it's eighteen, nineteen year old car had a lot yeah. of nicks and scratches and dents. Yeah. Also, I went through a period of my life where I had some serious anger issues, and I would punch stuff in my car. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some broken stuff in my car. Nothing is. I've since I've since gotten over those anger issues. You know what I'm saying? I meditate more. I haven't punched anything. There's no nicks on the inside of the vehicle. It's lovely. But the story, I don't know if I should tell this on the pod, but I will anyway. And if they get me, they get me. But I got into a fender bender with my old car. Okay. Um, there was nothing wrong with my car uh, from the fender bender. I messed up the other dude's bumper. Um, and this, this was my fault. But my bumper, because it was, you know, 19 years old, was a little, it had, you know, it was a little iffy. So I was like, I'm about to come up on Geico real quick. Let me tell them that these here nicks and scratches are from the fender bender. I'm about to get a brand new bumper. All right. So I'll put in the, I go to the, I put in the claim for my car. They come back. They're like, this bump, we this car is so old, we can't find a bumper making this a total loss. Your car is totaled. I was like, shut the f*** up. <laughs> um, but, but, so I was pissed, but then it was okay because the money that they gave me, what my car was worth from the total loss, is about 700 more than I actually paid for the car. <laughs> oh, so I made well, a profit on the total loss and ended up getting an Acura <laughs> old because I had a Chrysler two three hundred two thousand one. Mm-hmm. I don't even make that body anymore. The body's <laughs> completely changed. So I came up for free. <laughs> well, congrats, man! Yeah, if, I'll be expecting a Venmo any second. Yeah, I got you. Um, and if yeah. you take anything from the first seven and a half minutes of this podcast, take that insurance fraud does work out sometimes. <laughs> So, so I'm just thinking, like, like, oh, Rick, what is this hole in the back of the car? Oh, that was Mozgov, like 2016, like right there. That's that's what that was. What is this? What is this other hole? Oh, that was Luol Deng. Like that was the day after. Like that's what those two holes are from. <laughs> Yo, I'm, like, oh my god, I'm pretty sure there was like one day 
where I was just like, <laughs> I was upset and I got in my car and I was, I was already upset. And I thought about like Paul George, like <laughs> requesting a trade to the Clippers and just punch something like without thinking. And it was just like, oh crap. I just broke my vent. Okay. What is, what, what is this whole, uh, well, let me tell you about that night where Kawhi signed with the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. It's, it's, it's like that. Um, oh man. That was fun. It's, it's okay though. It's okay though. Um, well, speaking of being angry <laughs> about personnel moves, let's discuss the trade deadline. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so the Lakers stood pat, did nothing, have done nothing yet, did nothing at the trade deadline. Um, you know, if someone told me that 12 trades were going to be 12, was it 12, 13? If they someone told me that more like that. than 10 trades were going to happen at the deadline, I was sure the Lakers would be a part of one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And here we are. I, I'm not. I'm not too sad about it. I, I. I did want them to make a move just because, like, I don't know. You always want your team to make a move the trade trade deadline, kind of like, you know, just to mix things up. But I wasn't too sad about it just because. And I know this is coming up later, but the buyout market. Um. But yeah, they. I'm not. I would like we talked about in the last pod. I'm not too upset that they made that they didn't make any moves. There's just. With Kuzma's contract and everything, there's just too much to go. Like, he, he makes too little to actually make a decent trade. Right, and a lot of the deals felt very, like, lateral. I don't know, like, none of the deals changed much for the contenders other than maybe the Clippers one with Marcus Morris. But other than that, they all seem pretty lateral. Like, I think Denver got Shabazz Napier, am I right? And yeah. things like that. Like, just players really on the fringe of the rotation. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with them not really making... Too many moves. So I guess there there are three deals to to go off what you just said. There's three deals that really had consequence. Three deals of consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, o- only really one of which for the that affects the Lakers, but three that affect the league as a whole. There's of course the the Marcus Morris deal. There's um, the D'Lo and Wiggins swap, and then there's the Clint Capella Robert Covington deal. There's, um, there's also the Iggy one. I, I feel like the Iggy one's a pretty Right, I, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. That's my bad. That's my bad. No, you're um, good. Can, I, can we go from least important to most important? Is that cool? Least sure. important to most important. Okay. The least important deal is Clint Capella going to the Hawks, um, and I guess Robert Covington to the the Rockets affects us more. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the The first thing I want to say about that is, how did the Hawks land Clint Capella for Evan Turner in a second round pick? I. I, I genuinely think the the Rockets just were like infatuated with small ball, and they're like, "No, nah, we need him out of here. We don't. He he makes too much. We'll save money. I just I we just need him out." Like I genuinely think there was nothing wrong with Capella himself. It was literally mm-hmm. that they just wanted to try the small ball and space the floor more and like really go at this, you know, <laughs> three point shooting team. Right, and they just really wanted Covington, like right, and then to make that work, they had to give up Capella. I'm guessing to get Robert Covington, and I think he fits well with them. But I agree. Yeah, I think the Hawks did really well at the trade deadline. I think that's a that's a win win. I think for both. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's a win win, but I also think that like I understand that Cle- that Houston Cleveland. What <laughs> I understand that Houston wanted Covington, but. You have to, at least if I were a general manager, I would also like judge my evaluation of a trade by how much I helped 
another team, not just by how much I helped myself. And like, I understand that they wanted Covington, you know, they, 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 they had, they, I think they signed Covington out of the G League. I think his first NBA game was for the Rockets. So they, they knew him. They liked him, but like, all Atlanta really needed for the future was a rim running center. Mm-hmm, and right. like you've basically filled their team up, you know, and they still have John Collins who they can trade because he's a good young forward. He might have to play, you know, center for another team because he can't really shoot the three. But like all you did was just give them more ammo to get back. I, I don't, I feel like maybe I just overrate Clint Capella, which I know I do because I like him. <laughs> but I was like, man, you gave Trey Young who can pull up from 35 a dude who's adept at making the right read and high screen and roll. Like they're just, you gave Trey Young the perfect partner. I would have needed something else. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to take this time real quick just to, you know, just to say uh, thank you, Raj, for uh, dropping um, John Collins uh, in fantasy. <laughs> He's been doing great for me. Uh, You're going to get us in trouble, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I like just there was no, there was no deal behind that. That was just <laughs> no, me up. being inadept at fantasy <laughs> basketball. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there is no collusion whatsoever. I promise. None at all. Um, but yeah, no, he's been great for me. It's, it's been lovely to have. Um, so thank you again. On a um, on a on an unrelated note, Ali, thanks for the Venmo. I appreciate it. Like that was <laughs> no problem. That's why I changed. That's why I made my Venmo account private. I didn't want anyone saying that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I think. I, I feel like I, not too many people think this. I feel like I'm one of the very rare people, but I I think Clint Capella's contract is a little bit overpaid, a little bit. Um, I think his defensive game is unreal, but his offensive game to me is just, it's like, I, I don't think it's worth that money. But again, Atlanta's not the place where, you know, you can sign big time free agents or anything like that. So that's one of those right. teams where you have to work through trades. You just have to. And I think that was a great trade for them for in that aspect. Right and and two things. Capella, I mean, Capella is really good, but as I mean, we all feel about James Harden in one way or another. But he's still like a really good passer, yeah, like one of the best passers, and that's who he was playing with. Yeah, um, it's mm. remains to be seen how Trey Young isn't. Trey Young's been great, but I mean, he's not James Harden, yeah, Harden yet. And also, I think we've seen how centers are valued, right? I mean, Andre Drummond went for nothing basically. Mm-hmm. He went for a second round pick and two salary filler. Andre Drummond, who was set to make almost 30 million. I don't think he'll get that, but that's what he's like set to make and he went for absolutely nothing. Detroit was like I don't want you on my team and yeah. <laughs> just sent him to Cleveland. So I think we just see how they're valued nowadays. I feel like we'll probably see Blake Griffin gone this summer. They'll find a trade suitor for him. I think they just really want to restart if they can. <laughs> restart from restarting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. two more things and then I guess we can move on unless y'all have something to say. I think Zach Lowe put it well in his most recent podcast. Mm-hmm. He said that Detroit valued cap space more than Drummond and Cleveland valued Drummond more than cap space. Yeah, and I'm right. just like, hey, there you go. Like it's just sometimes you just you see something like two two teams can see the same thing in completely different ways. It's just those type of teams, like again, Cleveland, same thing. There's two ways you work through it. It's draft and it's trades. There's no like free agents. You can't. It's hard to get free agents to those mm-hmm. locations, especially without another big time player. Not saying Drummond is a big time player. I'm just saying like it's hard to attract free agents without one. Also, maybe the reason I I, I still like Clint Capella, but maybe the reason I was so high on that trade for them is because they were in talks to get Andre Drummond. And I was like, oh, they didn't get Drummond, but they got Capella instead. So this is a great day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
But regardless. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Um, because I guess technically there were four trades that we should talk about that affect the Lakers. So we'll move on to the the s- second least important one. D'Lo for Wiggins. Um, I oddly don't think it affects the Lakers at all because D'Lo and Towns are obviously – I mean, the Timberwolves might score 170 points a game, but they're going to give up 200, so it's okay. Um, the one thing I'm scared of, though, is that if Wiggins, like – Feels like you know, feels himself out this year, and then they get an entire offseason with him, and then all of a sudden he becomes a useful basketball player next to Steph Clay and Draymond. And then the Warriors have that Minnesota pick and their own terrible pick to trade in the offseason for somebody. Then I'm pissed yeah. off. Yeah, this this to me was another like win-win trade. One, D'Lo is a better player than Wiggins. I think can do you guys agree? Facts. Right. D'Lo is a better player. But the fit was always, it, to be fair, it was always questionable. Now, in Minnesota's case, you're taking that because, one, he's a better player. And, two, Cat wasn't happy. Cat's been, like, pissed off. And especially, like, he had that post or that, or, like, a post-game interview where he was just, like, you know, saying how he's tired of losing and everything. you got to appease your star big man. Like, you just have to. And so, one, Cat and D'Lo are best friends. One, so, like, their chemistry... I think to me will already be high, and I think that's just going to help out that team a lot. That also more free agents will be wanting to come because you see those two players in town. But so for in that aspect, and two, like you said about Wiggins, Wiggins isn't as good as a, of a player, but like the fit is there. He they he's that small forward that you know the Warriors have been like first it was Harrison Barnes, and yes, it's Harrison Barnes, but he was good in the role minus that one Finals appearance, um, and then you saw Iggy in that, and it just. I think, like you said, this year is going to be, they're already tanking. They're not really, you know, trying. But net, like this summer with Wiggins, and if he's able to knock down those spot-up threes, and he's able to, you know, they're a defensive-minded team, and Wiggins isn't, you know, the greatest defensive player. But I think they can get him, like you said, over the summer to really, like, lock in and everything. But he has to make a promise. He has to make a promise. <laughs> That almost went over my head. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a win-win for both teams, really. Yeah, so first, I kind of feel, I mean, you can't say you feel bad for a guy who just signed $117 million, but this is D'Lo's fourth franchise in five years, which is kind of insane to think about. I think I did the math right, right? Yeah, it's four teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's the third one that's like, said they'll give him the keys, obviously the Lakers, and then um, Brooklyn said, you know, he was our franchise, and now Minnesota's like, oh, here's our franchise, and uh, I don't know, I, I don't really like the deal for maybe, I mean, I feel like this trade would have been there for Golden State in the summer, and I think they didn't want to see what Steph, Clay, and D'Lo would look like, like, I just just thought that would be something to see, but I think it was good for Minnesota, obviously, to give, to get off the Wiggins deal, um, I don't think Wiggins changes much, I think you are who you are, Especially, I think you are who you are after you get paid. I think I think that's who you who you are, and we kind of saw who he was on a good team with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. He was still the inefficient scorer. So I don't I don't know. I don't think it's easy playing with Steph, Clay, and Draymond as it seems. I mean, we saw this year even when Steph and D'Lo were on the floor, they were getting just torched. Uh, and I don't I don't I don't see it working as the way they did. But I'm happy for him in Minnesota. I don't think that team will win a lot, but. I hope he stays there. 
I just want to say something about D'Lo because you started to to talk about his career, and I think because he's a former Laker, I don't mind doing this on the podcast. I just want to recap D'Lo's career real quick. If you guys remember, he wasn't supposed to be a one and done. Like there were better players on that Ohio State team. Right. Like th- that, like towards the end of the season, he just started like going crazy, and that's yeah. when we were like, "Oh snap, D'Lo might be like one of the top five picks in the draft." Okay, so he gets drafted, starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. This man plays in Kobe Bryant's last game. This man plays in Dwayne Wade's last game. This man right. gets traded to Brooklyn. He's a twenty-three year old All Star. Something. Le- what? He played in Byron Scott's last season as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very important. Right. No, but but ser- but seriously, you're right. that is very important because think about all he's been through. Twenty three year old All Star leads Brooklyn to the playoffs. Brooklyn, the team that everyone was like, oh, they're screwed for forever, right. leads them to the playoffs. Then gets traded to the Golden State Warriors, at, like whose dynasty has just crumbled. Gets coached by Steve Kerr. Shares a locker room with Stay. I mean, Stay Clef. Jesus, I did it twice. <laughs> Steph and Clay. <laughs> Like and now he gets traded, Raj, as you were saying, to his fifth team, fourth team in five years. Exactly. I can't like people talk about all the time, like how hard it is, especially you know because of the reports from the Athletic that like the Warriors were like trying to get rid of D'Lo, that they felt like he didn't fit into their culture. We talk about it too, how guys need like a stable situation or they need a situation that like caters to them. I cannot imagine like. What is D'Lo thinking on a day-to-day? After everything he's seen in five years, everything he's been through, experienced, like been traded in a salary dump, then gets traded in a swap of like for maybe one of the most like overhyped, like biggest busts in recent memory. And like his team gets a pick for trading him away. Like I I just, it's so hard to imagine D'Lo like having a stable career <laughs> like you know what uh, i mean I, as much as I, I do agree with you but i do think that he's like found a home i think him and cat now that they're together like stay there for a while like cat obviously is under contract but you could feel that maybe he was gonna ask for a trade or something maybe this summer mm-hmm. if things kept going the way they did but i think with them like being best friends being that place and like they i i, I actually like that team I, I I do like that team. They they picked up a uh, Beasley too and Hernan Gomez. Like right. I kind of like that team. They, they they don't have like a filled out roster, but they have pieces. Um, I agree with you. But mm-hmm. I I think they're going after that trade. They're starting to go in a direction where like it's the right way. And I think he I I personally think that he's found a home now. But yes, I do agree with you. He's like he hasn't done much wrong, and like he he didn't deserve to be bouncing around as much but everyone was questioning it when he went to the warriors everyone like it was in the back of everyone's head like are they going to trade him again because this might be a sign and then like deal with it for now and then trade him later like everyone was thinking that through so i think delo maybe knew like hey i there's a chance i get traded from this team yeah and the weird thing like he played well everywhere he went yeah the house was just wild like look at those warrior games he's the one filling up those seats like people aren't coming to see jordan Poole. That people are coming to see D'Angelo Russell, like, shoot a, hun- a bunch of threes and try to keep them in the game. And he, like, I think he learned it was a business very early, you know? Yeah. Like, after he got traded to Brooklyn, I think he, he found out that really quick. But that just shows a lot of mental strength. I mean, obviously balled on Brooklyn and then came to Golden State and did the exact same thing, put up numbers. I think him, Steph, and Clay were the only ones who've ever lit up, like, not Oracle, but, like, the Chase Center like that. I mean, it's... It's, it's crazy just see him. I don't think he'll ever be comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't think he's going to Minnesota and just 
like okay let me buy a house like i I don't think he's doing that yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be very aware of his surroundings and i mean carl anthony towns could be gone you know two yeah. years who know who knows so yeah i don't think he'll be comfortable but i hope i hope they keep him over there you know what you know what meme fit perfectly with that trade that mm. spongebob one where like spongebob and patrick are running out in the feet outside and then mm-hmm. Patrick's looking down all upset. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. That's like that's like Devin Booker and then Cat and D Lord. SpongeBob and Patrick. That meme was perfect for that. Don't worry, D Lo, I mean Devin Booker will join them in a in a few short years, and then we'll have <laughs> the worst defense that any NBA team has ever put out. <laughs> They'll all join the New York Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Damn. Um <laughs> all right. Um, we can move on to the next trade, which I feel like was uh, it, it was inevitable, but at the same time, it still hurt. Uh, Andre Iguodala going to Miami. Uh, I thought that just the way that Memphis was posturing, I thought that they would get a lot more than a Justice Winslow already on his second contract for Iguodala. Just the way that they were talking. Um and then especially having to take two contracts back. But I guess, Ali, you were saying it before, like that's one of those markets where they're not going to get free agents. So it's like, all right, we got this young guy who's shown a potential to play multiple positions, mm-hmm. defend multiple positions. We already have Ja and Jaron Jackson. Right. So like, what do we care? Yeah, give us James Johnson and Solomon Hill. Yeah. Or that's not who it was, but you, whoever it was. I, I, again, I, I, I again, think that it's a win-win. I, I, I actually like them getting – I thought – I didn't think they were going to get – a player like Justin just Winslow for Iggy. Like I, I was shocked when I saw it because I thought they weren't going to make any trades. I thought there was no way Iggy was going to be traded once it got to the day. Cause I was thinking like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be willing to give big time players or like Winslow isn't a big time player, but I feel like he's a, another form of Iggy, not as good, but he's kind of like the same player in a sense, just mm-hmm. can't really shoot. But yeah, I just, I I was I I thought it was good for them because yes they got those big time con- those big contracts from the the other players but like like you pointed out they it's you're you're already young you're gonna be you're gonna be keeping this roster for a long time anyways you know like letting these young guys kind of learn the game more and play together guys like you know Josh Jackson I mean sorry Josh Jesus Jaron Jackson <laughs> and Josh <laughs> and not Josh Jackson um I but wish. yeah you know just all these young guys you know playing together and building up their chemistry and then in a few years when they you know start to hit you know get a little older then you worry about free agency but yeah I I, I like this trade for both of them yeah I love this trade for Memphis I, they get like they get to look at a young guy in Justice Winslow um and then Miami had to over kind of overpay Iguodala I feel like they had to extend him right I, yep. I think he got a two-year extension, so um, I think one's with like a team option, something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this trade from Memphis. They got Justice Winslow, and then the contracts they got back. I think they got James Johnson, whose um, whose contract ends next year. I think they're already going to release Deion Waiters. Um, mm-hmm. That team is fun, and then they have their superstar in John Morant. So yeah, yeah. I think they got, and then they already got a first from the Warriors for Iguodala. So right. Yeah, I think they won that. That deal. I will say this: I want a 
Andre Iguodala Miami Vice jersey. Not because like I like Miami. Obviously, it's a great jersey, but I just think he is one of the biggest G's of the NBA for mm-hmm. basically taking half the year off and then getting another thirty million dollars <laughs> for doing so and getting to play for the team that's second in the East. Just we a, the finesse you, God. We respected what you did so much that we're gonna give you a contract. It's not even your play on the court. It was your play <laughs> off the court. <laughs> Yo, just like if if LeBron is one of the heroes of player empowerment, like. <laughs> I, I don't Iguodala is like the unsung hero. <laughs> but I do want to say I don't hate what the Grizzlies players were like saying towards Iggy. Like I understand it. Like you like Iggy went out in public and was saying, mm-hmm. you know, stuff and I, they I, I I don't think he should have really talked about the Grizzlies out in public, but I don't I don't I don't hate that the players said what they said. Like they're young passionate guys. Like go yeah. ahead and say it. I loved it. I, I mean, that's just a competitive fire. Iguodala basically said, "I don't want to live in Memphis, and I'm not playing with y'all. Like, I'm just, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go there. Like, I don't care. You guys are the eight seed. Like, and I just want to say, uh, there are maybe a handful of guys that can do that. That can yeah, pull that off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He like he is he has earned that from being like such a such a like a well-spoken right. player representative like consummate professional he's earned it yeah. um the that situation like the young guys you know arguing against Steph and and you know talking about Iguodala I feel the same way about that situation that I felt about Alfred Payton pushing Jay Crowder in the Knicks Memphis game because oh, Jay Crowder stole the ball with like yeah. a minute left and they were up 20 like I don't blame Jay Crowder for stealing the ball you're playing lazy and I don't blame him for shooting the three. Y'all aren't playing defense. That being said, I don't blame Alfred Payton for pushing him into the stands. Sometimes everybody's wrong, but everybody's right too. Like you got to do what you got to do. That's how I feel about the uh, the John Moran situation. Like if you're upset, express it. Fine. Everybody's right. It's okay. We don't all have to be friends all the time. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. The, the only reason I know about that play is because like people added me and they were like, "Is this an unwritten rule?" I was like, oh my god. <laughs> That's incredible. That's like, incredible. uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was saying I would have not known about that play without that. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see any reason why you'd be watching Knicks Grizzlies. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Let me just say also with the Knicks, we're about to like. Oh, never mind. Never mind. This will this will save for later. Later. Never mind. You know Uh-oh. what? We'll we'll save it for right now because that's the next thing we're talking about. <laughs> that's why I was like, wait, I should shut up for a quick second. Um, last trade we'll discuss is, of course, Marcus Morris to the Clippers. Raj, I think you should go first. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I, I wanted Marcus Morris on the Lakers. I didn't want the deal that was proposed. The one that, at least the one I think happened. The Danny Green, Kuzma for Marcus Morris doesn't make sense. You're basically... I feel like you get worse for that deal. Don't forget a second pick, too. Yeah, exactly. A second pick. So I, I think you get worse for that deal. People, I don't know. Like, I guess, let me go off real quick. On Twitter, they're like, they're like, oh man, the Lakers, I can't believe they kept Kuzma. Like, how dumb is the front office for not dealing Kuzma for Morris? That wasn't the deal. Like, that was just not the deal that you can't compare those two. Like, it, I, it, that's all. I don't, don't want to go on that, but I think the Clippers got better. I, I don't know how much he does there as he did in new york i don't think he'll have the light that he had in new york they said they're gonna start him as well um that's a that's a lot of like people who need the ball in the starting lineup he's a 44 percent three-point shooter you you can't take that away i think 
I think they got better, but I don't think that changes the title odds. Like, I think the Clippers are who they are. They're, they're run through Kawhi and the other guy that they have and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. So I, I don't think that changes the, the balance of power too much. Go ahead, Ollie. I'm waiting for yours. Uh, okay. So I agree with you in the notion that, like, that would have been a dumb trade for the Lakers to do. That's a yeah. right move to not trade for him when they're asking for that. Um, I am also upset that he went to the Clippers. Uh, like I said with Iggy, I was really happy that Iggy went east. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. come anywhere near this way. Um, he didn't go to the Bucks. Like, that was going to scare me, too. Um, he just went to the east, and that made me really happy. Um, with uh, with uh, him going to the Clippers... I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of people talking about it, but I thought like that was a huge move for them. And I just like they the reason why is one, listen to this lineup. Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Zubok. That's such a big lineup and such a defensive lineup that it scares me in that aspect. Two, they have a power forward that's a like you pointed out, forty four percent three point shooter. Like that's, that's, as you're, as you're forward shooting that great of a three point, like he doesn't, Morris also isn't a guy, yes, he averaged 19.6 points per game. One, you're adding a guy who's a 19.6 point per game. Granted, he was on the Knicks. And yes, like you said, he won't have as much as a green light, but I feel like Morris isn't the type of guy who needs the ball in his hands, really. Like he doesn't mind just like staying in the corner, especially with the team that he's on right now. I mean, right. like, like he, like last few seasons, he's been attempting 11.3, 11.3, 12.7. I feel like with with the Clippers, he'll attempt like eight, and he'll be okay with that. Like, he won't be complaining. And he can affect the game in multiple ways other than his offensive game, his defensive game. You know, I just, I I think that was a big move for them. Not just because, like, that, but it adds to their already, their depth. Like, for example, they're going to, I think they're going to get someone on the buyout market. Um, But they already have that as their starting lineup, and then their bench you have Lou Williams and Montrez already coming off the bench, and then you're going to add someone off the buyout, whether it's, you know, Collison, I don't think Collison, but, like, whether it's him or Steven Jackson or someone like that. I just, I think that really helped them out. And I think that did, you know, that did maybe move the needle a little bit. But, yeah, I've been I've been more of, of the thought of that was a big move for them. Yeah, I'm scared, bro. I'm not. I wish I could. I wish I could BS. Uh, that when I first oh, read sorry, that. Oh, sorry. Really quickly, I forgot. Shamit too. You have Shamit coming off the bench with Lou Williams and oh, and Her- and Montrez Harrell. Bro, that's that's like that's what that was. My, that was my thought. Honestly, like I wasn't mad that they got Marcus Morris. I thought they would have to give up Shamit, and I was yeah. like, okay, that's fine. Like if they're asking for Kuz, they're gonna have to give up Shamit. But like, I don't know whoever leaked that we wouldn't give up Kuz. Yeah. But I feel like that's what did it because the Clippers were like, all right, well, fine. We're not going to give up Shamit. And like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, we're, we're definitely not going to make the finals now. Like, I, we still have LeBron and AD. I still, I don't care. They're better than Kawhi and Paul George. I don't mm-hmm. care. But at the same time, I was like, they have the most talent on paper right now. They do because yeah. Marcus Moore's like, I, <laughs> Unlike a lot of people who will listen to this podcast, I watched a lot of Knicks games this season, unfortunately so. <laughs> and there were games where, like, 
it was like, okay, Julius is going to like, Julius has four offensive fouls and the opposing forwards have a bunch of bruised sternums. Now we got to give the ball to Marcus Morris. And bro, he was just creating, like he was just doing his thing. And granted, he shot them out of some games as well, but like he won't do that because Kawhi (laughs) and Paul George and Lou Will are going to have the ball more than him. Um, You know, I don't know how he's going to feel going to a team where he's like, not the because he was basically the number one option for New York. I don't know how he's going to feel going to a team where, like, on any given night, like at most he's probably four mm-hmm. at most. Right. Um, so maybe that mitigates it a little bit. But uh, I was pissed off. I was pissed off. I'm still a little concerned, um, and I'm a little pessimistic now. Not because not not at our at our odds of beating in the, beating them in the playoffs, but just like you talk about, you know. Other teams having a lot of dog, a lot of fight in them. Yeah, like that's one. Marcus thing too. Morris is that. Yeah. Like he, when <laughs> when I think of that, I think of Marcus Morris. So the fact that they got another guy like that, and I think about the fact that the think about the way that the Lakers have reacted to that. I think about the fact that they have that now in Spades, and we lost out on that, and it it just sucks. It just sucks. Le- February six was a bad day. <laughs> that's that's one thing. Like they don't Lakers don't have that guy. The Clippers now have two in their starting lineup with Beverly and Marcus Morris who can just, like, get in your head. Like, right. it just... I, I really wanted Morris, and it wasn't just for his game only. It was, like, for what you pointed out, like, he's a dog. Like, he will, like, he will win you games by just, you know, by just being him. Like, I, yeah. I just... Uh, I, I, I really wanted Morris, but again, I would not have made that trade that they offered. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't really mad that we didn't get him. I was just more upset that the Clippers got him. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, yeah, like he, I don't, I don't know how much he would have added. I mean, his, obviously his mentality and all that would have really helped. But I mean, Ali, when you were listing out the lineup, that is kind of scary. I mean, I just, when you just read what they have coming off the bench with yeah. Lou Will, Montrez, and, uh, Marcus Morris, um, now they have a really good team. Um, the Lakers are going to need LeBron to be who he was in 2018. That's just like, that's just the fact. Like we, he can't be just a normal, like, superstar in the playoffs. Like he's going to have to be who he is. And, I think he will still, but I, I just, that's what it's going to take. Like, that's how good that team is built. They have a front office that's been doing this for a while. They have a, Jerry West has been, uh, manager and all that for a very long time and an elite one. Um, and he built that roster pretty perfectly. So, uh, he, like, yeah. he's, he's like Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, not just, not just one or the other. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Don't have to guard the opposing best player. They can put Marcus Morris on him if they want. Like that's yeah. that's unreal to me. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, just to, to get back to what you were saying, Raj. It's like when we traded for Anthony Davis. Yeah. The one thing I thought in my head was, okay, we will never have to like push LeBron to his ultimate limit ever again. Yeah. And like. I feel like now we kind of still do. Like we, exactly. he, like you said, he has to be game one uh, uh, of the finals that J.R. Smith ruined. Uh-huh. Um, like every game of the playoffs now. And I just, well, not every game of the playoffs, but every game against the Clippers. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I just, I didn't want that. And I don't think that, I, I still think it's possible. But now it's like, okay, this is real now. You know, like we, we can't mess around now. That's like... With with what you said about that, you have LeBron and then you have AD and you don't have others that can really like go ISO or create a shot for themselves. With the Clippers, you have Paul George. You know, you already had Paul George and Kawhi, but then you for them you have Lou and now you have like Morris who can do that. It's just 
Lakers really. That's why the buyout market, like we talked about, is just going to be really right. big. Uh, also, you said LeBron has to be like his his best self, right? So does Anthony Davis. Like he can't be like this. Oh, it's my first like big playoff run. Like Anthony Davis has to be ready for to be dropping thirty five and fifteen every night in that series. Like he just has to, or the Lakers won't win. It just he can't be like, oh, I had a bad shooting night, or Montrezl Harrell got into my, you know, got into me. Like that can't happen. Like he he has to be ready. So. I need I need swept Portland Anthony Davis like yeah exactly like it, it, but, I, but I need that I need that for like twenty games in the playoffs <laughs> you know um but but I, as you said Ellie we gotta um we're, we're, the Lakers are just gonna have to like oh I'm sorry I'm not ready yet um I'm not ready to move on because I'm gonna say something and it's gonna be annoying but somebody made this point on a podcast and I don't remember it was somebody I didn't want to hear this from I think it was Bobby Marks uh but the fact of the matter is. This all goes back to last year because I'm, you know, I don't want to relitigate Magic Johnson's tenure, but the way those negotiations were handled, our hand was played all the way in February. Like, I know that over the summer we talked a lot about how Rob overpaid because we were bidding against ourselves, but I personally never saw the Anthony Davis trade that way because of what happened in February. I saw the Anthony Davis trade as David Griffin knows that Rob Palinka has no choice but to trade for Anthony Davis. Because their hand was played all the way. And there's no way LeBron is about to go into this next season with the same team that we already understand has no chemistry, is not good enough, frankly, to, to take him to the, to the finals. So I felt like it was less of Rob overpaid and more of Griffin like extracted every piece of leverage. But those negotiations left us with such a bare cupboard that now the only assets we had were coups in the second round pick and i know we talked about this over the course of the season but i feel like i didn't realize it for real until the trade deadline came and i was like oh like we really like i knew on february 5th that we had very little margin for error in terms of what we could trade but Mm -hmm. february 6th hit and then i realized oh we had none (laughs) yeah We, we had no flexibility um and i don't know if like saving one extra pick or pushing the picks one for one year out so we could trade this year's instead of like stacking them i, I don't know if, the, if those were possible i'm assuming if those situations were possible rob would have done that but it just it, it, it hit home for me it made me think about last year it kind of made me angry at magic all over again because i was like we could have had Svee, like we could have <laughs> you know like all, all these situations are in my head about the young players we gave away for nothing right. the picks we sort of gave and I, I feel like it really came to a head um and you know, I, I'm looking forward to the offseason because we'll have more flexibility, but I don't want to look past the playoffs because I know that when the playoffs come and I, there's going to be a game where I'm like, we needed something and we didn't have the ability to get it because of the the, the cluster F that happened last year. I don't feel like bleeping myself, um, even though I already did it, but I wrote that down, so it's okay. Um, anyway, Paul that's, that's what I had to say about that. Uh, really quick. You know what really makes me upset is when I see when I see the Clippers like super lineup right. They're like, oh look at this starting lineup: Beverly, um, Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris. And you see Zubac like in the starting center. You know <laughs> that just pisses me off so much. Like people don't understand. Like you go look at that deal. <laughs> it was Zubac for what was I forgot his name. I think I just etched it out of my memory. But uh, Mike Muscala, <laughs> huh? Mike Muscala. <laughs> Yes, Muscala. Like, I, I can't believe <laughs> there were no picks involved. It was a, we gave them Beasley, I think, who they cut right away. It was just like it the was. most horrible deal 
I've ever seen. And then the Clippers got him. Obviously, they re-signed him this summer. They had his bird rights. I mean, they just, they had everything, like, right there handed to them. And that that just makes me so upset. Like, I understand the Kawhi, Paul George, Paul George stuff. Like, okay, you can't do anything. Like, Kawhi wanted to be a Clipper. Like, he wants to own a franchise. Paul George um, just went <laughs> went back on his contract. Like, you can't do anything about that. The Zubox stuff is like, dude, that's their starting center. And he's freaking good. He's like a super good rim protector. Like, and that's ours. Like, we <laughs> raised him. Like, he played two, he played two years in the summer league. We fucking drove to Vegas to go watch him. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was there on his first game. Like, and you just see, like, you saw him develop. Like, he, he was not to go on a huge tangent, but like, you see him, like, developing pick and roll skills with D'Lo. And you're like, oh shit, this could be like a good center of summer for the future. And then you see him play with LeBron. Like, damn, LeBron plays well with him. And then he's just on the other hallway. Like, what the hell? And now he's starting for a team that might win the title. Uh, all right, I'm done. That's exactly what I wanted to have happen after, <laughs> I, after I said that. So thank you. Um, You're welcome. Uh. All right, so uh, we've we've now rehashed the Lakers' mistakes. Um, now let's discuss what they can do moving forward. Um, unfortunately, uh, two of the options that I thought the Lakers had are off the board <laughs> because Charlotte had a fire sale and apparently Marvin Williams loves Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and MKG like was signed with Dallas before I even saw the tweet that he was bought out. <laughs> like what? I personally, I wasn't big on MK, MKG, but I, yeah. I, 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 Marvin Williams was someone who I was like, oh, that's a real like. That's someone who the Lakers should actually go after. And an hour later, bam, you just see Milwaukee and you're like, well, all right, that's that's cool. <laughs> you know what's hilarious about that Marvin Williams? Did you see Kemba Walker? Who's like, I've been recruiting I've been recruiting Marvin Williams for a month. And he went to Milwaukee. I'm like, Kemba, you play in Boston now. <laughs> like <yeah. laughs> Do you know where you're at where you're where you're at? Like <laughs> you brought this on yourself, bro. <laughs> You and Gordon Hayward are like the only free agents they've gotten in like ten years or something. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would have liked him. On That's the not true. Too. They got Ennis Kanter. Oh I'll yeah, try. you're right. You know what? I right. How could even, I forget? I can't even talk right now about that. I just, I just, I, I'm not going to go off about this. I'm just going to say it real quick. Last game against them, he grabbed so many boards. I feel like I can't, even, I can't even talk any jump. Yeah, like I, that's true. That's fair, actually. All yeah, right. we got punked by Ennis Kanter. Yeah, we did. Like that, that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so now i i guess there's obviously darren collis is, is an option he was at the game versus houston yeah. um two nights ago yeah I, yeah i feel like princess leia help me darren collison you're our only hope <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad he got a front row view of yeah. what the laker that why the lakers need him like they he saw rondo <laughs> like, check in and non-lebron minutes and he's like and they, I feel like they didn't even need to say a word. They just need to look at him during those times and be like, this. This is why. Right. You can't sit with the owner of the Lakers for three hours, next year agent, and then not sign with them. Like, you, you can't. You, we can't show you on the Jumbotron. And, yeah, I, I mean, don't, that, I don't know. That, that doesn't really make sense to me. Like, why would you go sit there if you, if you weren't going to sign? I mean, I don't well. know if I've ever seen that before, like that was yeah, legit, like usually you have a, a meeting at a, at a dinner or at a house or in, in like the practice facility or something. <laughs> he legit went to a game and watched it with the owner in front of everybody. And I'm like, well, I don't think I've ever seen that before. But, but guys, 
Like may- maybe this off season and this season has just made me so f-ing skeptical <laughs> because like I I'm like afraid right now. I'm afraid he's playing us. Like, do you understand that Paul George came out with a three part documentary? The first two parts were all about loving L.A. and then he resigns with the Thunder. Do you not understand that Kawhi Kawhi like strung us along for like four days as every possible free agent came off the board, and then he was like, "Yeah, all right, I'm a Clipper now." Like. I just feel like we have such a string of bad luck that I like I could wake up tomorrow and it could be like Darren Collison signs with the Clippers and I'd be like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm the same way as you. I'm like 60-40 that he comes to Lakers because like 60 just because he came to the game, but like 40 because I feel like there's a chance like in two, a few days we see him at a Clipper game with Balmer and I'm like, oh, well, there now it's 60-40 their way. <laughs> Bro, I I like I have no doubt that Jerry West like called Darren Collison like before the game and was like, "All right, I want you to figure out their weaknesses on the point guard. When you see Rondo playing, figure out you know where he likes to drive. Where you know like I, I like I I don't trust Jerry West. I don't trust the Clippers. I don't trust anybody. If you're not wearing purple and gold, I don't trust you anymore. So it's very hard for me to even be hopeful about this. We're gonna end up with Reggie f-ing Jackson. <laughs> there's there's sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I would agree with you guys, but there's no coincidence. Like Darren Collison was like, I was just there to watch a basketball game. Yeah, your tickets just happened to be next to Genie Bus. Like I, I don't, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a coincidence. Like you didn't just sit with the owner um randomly. Like you bought court seats, court seats from StubHub, and they were like, yeah, you're just next to Genie Bus. Like I highly doubt that happened. There's a there's some some part of me that that like the reason why it's also sixty forty is like you said about Reggie Jackson, like. Reggie Jackson's actually like really close with um, Paul George. Like mm-hmm. two two summers ago, I saw them about five times in my in my hometown. Like they oh, just wow. were always hanging out with each other. Um, and then they, I think uh, Paul George also like let Reggie Jackson like stay at his place over a summer. Like he just like let him have his place for the summer. So they are mm-hmm. they are like really close. So I think there's a part of me that's like, okay, they'll go after Reggie Jackson. Which also, yes, I would rather have Darren Collison than Reggie Jackson. But Reggie Reggie Jackson isn't like a bum. Like he's actually no. he's still he's no. still not bad. He's still good. And like to think that he's gonna go there just makes me so angry. Because just to add to that bench. But he like that's one of the reasons why I think Darren Collison comes here, because maybe I, again I don't know anything, but maybe you know, Paul George is like wanting Darren Call. I mean, Darren Collison, Reggie Jackson, to come go there. I, uh, whoever Paul George like has as a friend doesn't really do much for me. Uh-huh. Like I've seen what <laughs> I've seen what he does to friends. I mean, he, him and Westbrook were supposedly like long lost brothers, and they left after two years. Um, <laughs> so I don't really, I don't really take. I don't think he has much control over there. Is what I'm seeing, but yeah. um, but maybe I, I hope they get Reggie Jackson. He's He's not who he was, but um, you hope. Yeah. I Quick hope aside. they don't get Reggie Jackson. I hope they don't get any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would give us. So uh, it was funny. People, <laughs> they're like, they got Isaiah Thomas. Like that means we got Darren Collison. And then they cut Isaiah Thomas like Bruh. ten minutes later. I was like, oh. Yo, I think that's what did it for was, me. That's what made me skeptical. That was the saddest thing. Yeah, I feel for it. Something crazy. Yeah. That's uh, because he was actually like having a good season in Washington. Yeah, he was. Be like. I'm. Um, he, I think he gets picked up. Someone's gonna pick him up. Yeah, it's gonna be the Lakers. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, him, him, and LeBron ain't gone. Hey, don't don't laugh, man. That that, that's <laughs> <Bruh>. <laughs> that might actually happen. So. Bruh. 
Uh, also, I had I actually had an article up about how Paul George and Reggie Jackson vacationed together in Spain a few years ago. Oh, there you go. Um, so we were on the same wavelength there. Did the same research. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I will say there was, it was the time I one of the times I saw them is you know what I'm not even gonna say this story. It's really sad. Okay. Should I, should I say? <laughs> I'll just, I, I I hate when people say that and then don't say it. So I'm gonna say it. Uh, Yo, it's funny because I'm pretty sure you've done that three times on the yeah, pod. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too many times. And I say it too much. Every time I say that too, I end up saying the story because I realize like that's so dumb to say and then not say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, one of the times when I saw Paul George with Red Jackson, it was like in the commons in Calabasas. And he, they went to go get ice cream. Uh, and I think Paul George was like with his daughter. And they were just like, it was him, him her, and Reddy Jackson. And like a bunch of like kids were following them. And they're a bunch of little kids, and they're all telling him, like, it was hilarious. They're all telling him, like, hey, so when are you going to be with the Lakers? When are you going to be with the Lakers? It was legit a group of, like, ten kids just saying that nonstop to him. And he was, like, laughing wow. about it and everything. And then, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I, I really appreciated that you took your time out to share <laughs> that narrative. Yeah, of course. Don't ever, don't ever doubt yourself again. That was important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was waiting for, like, the sad part, and I was like, so that was the sad part that they didn't come to the Lakers. Like, <laughs> what was the moral? You know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Next, next topic. What's next? <laughs> um. Well, okay. So the reason that I am so passionate about our need for a shot creator is because I watched the Lakers play Houston, and Houston is in their new look, uh, no big man uh, zone right now. Uh, and guess what? I mean, let me put it this way. By going small and having no center, Houston is daring teams to uh, basically focus on the post against them. Yep. Say mm-hmm. they're, they're saying we're willing to bet that if we share the same amount of possessions and all of your shots are post shots and all of our shots are threes, we're going to win. And that's exactly what math says. And how do the Lakers respond to that? By forcing the ball into the post yep. every possession. Mm-hmm. And that is why we need another perimeter shot creator. <laughs> if, if the Lakers would have just stuck to their normal brand of basketball, they would have dominated them in the post regardless. They they just, like, they literally tried, they, Houston got in their heads by doing that. Like, they tried to force so many things in the post. If they just would have played their normal brand of basketball, they would have had a lot of points in the paint without, you know, that necessary Right, it was interesting because I, I missed this game live. Um, so when you follow a game that the Lakers lo- lost uh, on Twitter, it feels like all hell broke loose. Yep. Like like fire yep. just burned down on the court. So I'm like, oh, damn, we must have got blown out. And I saw it was a close game, so I kind of rewatched. I mean, I thought they played okay. They had like a big lead in the first. Obviously, they went in, went to the post late. But this game was lost in like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, right? I think Houston went on like a 19-3 run. Um, to close to close it out, and I think I'll live with all those shots. I mean, Westbrook took like a bunch of pull up twos, and then Houston got blown out the next night by Phoenix. So I, I don't know. Do you guys think that that style will work for them going forward? I I think it. I think it. It's not bad to try. Mm-hmm. I do think, and I like that they got Jordan Bell just because. Like, oh wait, no, they traded him, huh? They, yeah. Didn't didn't they get Jordan Bell and then they traded him? Yeah. Ah, never mind. They just. <laughs> They just need a center on that roster. They have Tyson Chandler, well, but I don't... Do they have any center on that roster besides Tyson They Chandler? have Tyson Chandler and Isaiah Hardenstein. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, I had the same. Th- I had the same thought as you. I was like, "Oh, they got Jordan Bell. Okay, he's like serviceable." And then they traded him, and I was like, "Oh no, they're for real." Yeah, I yeah. was thinking like you need at least a center to be there, even if you don't play him some games, just to be there. Just because I mean, Tyson Chandler's older, so that's not. Damn, that's actually crazy. Uh, I think I think it's worth the try, but I think it was bad that they didn't at least get a center to keep on the bench to just you know, bring up whenever you really need him. Because like, I don't know, you go up against Embiid. You got They just got to have the same game plan they had against the Lakers, I guess. I mean, I I really do think that they're just playing a math equation now. Like you you think about it, like if if the Lakers shot the ball thirty times and we made half of our shots, then we'd score thirty points because we were forcing it in the post. And if they shot the ball thirty times but they only made ten shots, they would score thirty points because they were all threes. Like I I feel like it's literally just a math equation, and that's that's how they're playing. Exactly. And like. According to the math equation, it will work out. Um, but, you know, I just – I, I, you think about – you know, it worked against us. And granted, like you said, Raj, like that was an anomaly. Russell Westbrook going off um, LeBron with those like I think three or four like really careless turnovers uh, in, in, a, in, in the fourth quarter. Like it was an anomaly game. LeBron was shooting terribly from three. Like Rondo was bad defensively. Kuzma was terrible defensively. I mean, he was guarding Russell Westbrook, so I'm like, yeah. you know, it is what it is. But like, I don't who like who's gonna punish them in the West? Like Jokic, but like, I think they're okay. Like with if if you're just gonna post up Jokic every time, fine. Like I think they're perfectly fine with that. Like they're not they're not gonna play cat. Like the, the Clippers don't have a center. Like Utah. Like Rudy Gobert doesn't really play that way. Like. I just don't. I don't see anyone who's going to punish them. Yeah. Well, like we say always on this pod, basketball isn't a math equation. Like, <laughs> right? Um, I just think their game is so varied because they're relying. I mean, it's not like they're relying. They're relying on the three point shot, but I just we still outscored them by like twenty five in the paint. Even though I think AD missed a bunch of bunnies inside. Um, I think he was getting hacked a little bit, but. And the game was still super close, even with the, I think they took like, what, 20 more threes than we did? Mm-hmm. And we still were, I think we were up three with five minutes left. I just don't think that's repeatable enough. I think the size advantage, um, I think getting out rebound is really like disheartening. I think that's, I think that all plays a role. I don't trust their shooters to be, to do that in the playoffs as well. I just feel like I've seen this movie like five times how it ends. And then they just like change the actors, but the ending is still the same. If that makes if that makes if that makes sense, like yeah, <laughs> like you can change like Leonardo DiCaprio and the Titanic all you want, he's still gonna drown at the end. It's like there's no I don't know. I just I, just, I, I yeah. think I think people figure out how to. That's why I was upset that Lakers were the first team to go up against that lineup or that right. team. Uh, but I think people figure it out. I think it's something exactly. that you can figure out. It's like. Imagine some team going up against zone defense, and if they've never seen zone defense before, and they're like, what is this? How do I... And you can't break it for maybe the first mm-hmm. few games, and mm-hmm. then like you start to learn how to. I think it's something like that, where like teams will start to figure out what to do with it. I hope so, because I'm not trying to watch that in the finals. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. All right. Well, um, we haven't recorded in a while. I think we've hit on all the sort of basketball news that's occurred since the last time we recorded. Um, but one thing we did not get a chance to talk about uh, was Kobe Bryant and his tragic passing. I think it's been um, two weeks for two weeks since it happened, um, and we haven't recorded in that in that time span. Um, so, 
we thought it would be uh, nice to just, you know, end this episode with um, just everybody sort of giving their thoughts and, and just um, sort of reflecting, I guess, um, on what, what Kobe means to each of us individually um, since we didn't get a chance to do it. And we have a little bit more sort of time and perspective now. Um, and I think it would be um, just be cathartic for everyone involved. So uh, I can go first. <laughs> so I've, I don't know if I've ever actually said this on the podcast before. Um, when I grew up uh, playing basketball, I actually wore number 32 because I really loved Shaq. Uh, the Lakers were my favorite team, obviously, but I didn't see them as much. Like I didn't grow up. Uh, I grew up in Virginia. You know, we, I, when I saw the Lakers, it was national TV or it was playoffs, you know, or they were playing the wizards. Um, and I got that channel cause it was close. Um, so I saw a lot more Orlando magic games. Um, so I really love Shaq. So when Shaq went to the Lakers, I was huge. Um, like I was, I was just so excited. Uh, it was huge for me. And it, it, it was funny because it took me a while to like like Kobe as a basketball player because I was as a kid like it was Shaq like I had his album I had Kazam on VHS <laughs> you know what I mean um, so it took such a it took like years for me to like learn to love Kobe as a basketball player um, which is really funny to me because the the Kobe that like resonated with me most was was Kobe the man. Um, it was Kobe the storyteller, uh, not just like after he retired, but later in his career as he sort of like, you know, Mamba mentality was mythical and he started doing commercials and he started just like, you know, yelling at his teammates in practice and he started going on Jimmy Kimmel. And I just gained sort of an appreciation for him as a storyteller, but also as a man because he really, um, you know, kind of, I mean, he became a better dad. Yeah. Um, he became a better husband to Vanessa. Uh, I saw a lot of parallels between, um, sort of, you know, when he had more daughters and how he sort of became more of a family man. And quite honestly, like my dad and how my dad became more of a family man. I was an only child for like 11 years. I have two little sisters who are both teenagers. We have a large gap between us. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, like, one of my sisters is a year younger than Natalia, and my other sister is a year older than Gianna Bryant. Um, and, you know, Kobe sort of becoming a better father and a better dad and a, you know, sort of more of a relatable human being really aligned with my dad sort of becoming a, a very different man because of the birth of his daughters. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I sort of always, like, looked to them. Um, as my role models, because my dad is a super work ethic guy. Like my dad cannot sit still for more than an hour. He has to do something, anything, um, to, to, to be busy. Um, so older Kobe was kind of my, my role model, not just in the sense of the work ethic that, you know, uh -huh. he and my dad exuded, but also in the fact that like, yo, people change and they can become better. And, mm -hmm. you know, like right. the, the, the fact that, you know, he was one person and then just became, just a teacher, a mentor, a, a champion for, you know, I, I don't know if people know this. You know, I used to write for Swish Appeal, women's, which is SB Nation's women's basketball blog. And I, you know, I wrote, I covered the sky and the mystics. Um, and like for me to be writing at the same time as Kobe sort of championing women's basketball, it like touched me, you know, back then when I was 22, 23 years old. Um, it, you know, it, it's funny because I, I said this before. 
watching Kobe was an event for me. It was a weekend thing, Sunday, ABC primetime, or you know, the, the, the finals. I remember where I watched every single finals game I can remember mm-hmm. um, because it was such a big deal to me. I didn't get to see him every night on, on KCAL or Spectrum. So it was such a big deal. Um, but like I said, it was more of the man. The man really inspired me. The man was sort of the, the guy that, that grew to be my role model. Um, uh, sorry. And uh, just like I said before, like his growth and my dad's growth were super, super like coincidental. And at mm-hmm. the same time, um, you know, people say like Mamba forever, but like that, that like I, I, you realize now how much of an influence he had on everybody. And right. I think I feel like we all not take for granted, but we all like hold on to how much he influenced us. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to a new state a couple years ago. Um, to sort of pursue my dreams and to, to take a job that I thought would like lead to the rest of my life. And my best friend at the time, we worked at the same job. His name's Omar Kamara. He's a filmmaker. Um, he moved to LA actually to go to American Film Institute, a premier film school. And one of the things we used to say to each other is this Kobe quote. We said this to each other. We were working for our alma mater doing like alumni events, which mm-hmm. isn't what we wanted to do. I love basketball. He loved film. And he kept saying like Kobe says that you have to sacrifice things. Sometimes you have to sacrifice being a good friend, a good nephew, a good father. You have to sacrifice things to be great. And once you're great, you can sort of repay all that back. But if you want to be great, there's sacrifice you have to say, you have to do. And we said that to each other literally at least twice a week um, for a year and a half. Um, so you know, you you really you know how much someone influences you, um, but it just it hurts when you realize um, when you realize it in a moment of tragedy. Um, so I just wanted to say that you know January twenty sixth is going to be you know a, a day that I remember for the rest of my life. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've thought about Kobe every single day since then. Um, but it, I, I also you know it reminded me just how much. Uh, Kobe meant to me as a as a as a man as a human being, um, and it sucks. It's 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 irrevocable. It's irreparable. I think about Vanessa every day. I think about the girls every day, especially Natalia and Gianna, just because they're close to my sister's ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just uh, I I feel weird when I talk about him because I don't want to bring it up because I know it hurts. But at the same time, like I. The podcast we recorded last, we were talking about Brandon Ingram's game game winner yeah. against Utah. We brought up Kobe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, there's no way I will ever think about basketball or life without thinking yeah. about him. Um, and that didn't that was that was the case before. That was the case on January 25th, um, and it was the case on January 26th, and it's going to be the case for the rest of my life. So that's all I have to say. Uh, when I was. Uh... I was born in 1995 and like Kobe came into the league in 1996. So mm-hmm. obviously I don't remember his like initial years. Um, but my dad showed me basketball at a very young age, like a very young age. And he's mm-hmm. told me ever since like that, like instantly, like I was like attached to Kobe. Like that was the one guy like I went to. So um, like just growing up while he was also growing in the league was like something I always thought about. And like, you know, I remember my parents always would tell me like when they would, whenever they would lose games, I would like cry my eyes out, which I don't remember, but I was, cause I was really young, but they were like, you would cry your eyes out from just like regular season games, like when they lose and stuff like that. And I started like the, from the early memories, I remember like his like behind the back dunk against Denver where like Robert Ori throws the four pass. And then like, I remember those finals matchups and stuff like that. And like, 
since I was just young, like I had surgery in fourth grade and everyone in my class like knew me as like the Laker guy. And so like they all wrote me notes and like a lot of them had like Kobe drawings in them and stuff like that. And I don't think, and it's, I think it's fair to say for a lot of people, like I don't think one, I don't think I'd be a fan of basketball for one for Kobe, like straight up. I don't think, I think I might have, but not nearly as passionately as I am now. Um, a lot of my friendships were made through, you know, Kobe, like talking about him and like all my friends talk about basketball, like 70% of my day, it's just me talking about basketball and like just seeing his him grow as like a person, like you said, and just like his basketball and his basketball career and everything going from eight to 24 and just seeing a different side of him there. Like just the whole Mamba mentality is something that like we all think about, like, I, I don't think a day has passed by since maybe I was like seven years old, eight years old, where I didn't somehow think of him throughout the day. You know, like right. somehow he will pop up in your mind. You'll talk about him with a friend or like he'll pop up on your, you know, he's, his, his, his posters are up on your wall. Like when I went to college, I remember I took two posters. One was Kobe's celebration when he won his fifth championship. And one was when we, uh, when was, when we first met, I was just a kid. Like I, I put that up on my wall in 2016, um, in college. Like I, it's, it's. Yeah, I, I suck at talking it during these moments just because I get very emotional during them. Um, but mm-hmm. like I I just it was so shocking and just so like just devastating because you, 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 he's someone who like you think is invincible, like right. someone who like if if anyone were to, you know, come out of that um, accident, mm-hmm. it would be him. Um, mm-hmm. Like he just you just never could imagine this ever. Um, but I think. I think, like, I I think I'll continue to think about him every day throughout my life, you know, uh, for as long as I live. Like, I think through all, through just not only, like, just from watching basketball, but just, like, work-wise and, like, anything. Like, anytime I feel like I can't do something, like, you gotta think, like, what would Kobe do and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just my thoughts and prayers were with not only, like, Kobe's family, but everyone involved in the accident. And, Yeah. Yeah, so uh, living, like, I grew up in the city called Torrance. It was about, like, around 20 minutes from downtown LA. And you obviously know who the Lakers are. You know what, you know who Kobe is, Shaq is. I mean, you, you could not miss it, but I never really watched basketball until, like, my freshman year of high school, really. So I was really late. And, uh, sorry. So I, I went to this small school in high school. It was like, so you can, like, take college credits while being in high school. And there were like 300 kids in the school total, all four grades. And um, wow. <clears throat> I wanted to play a sport. My mom's like, you got to play a sport. I was like, Mom, I know nothing about sports. She's like, you like basketball? I was like, all right, sure. So I went to join the basketball team. I made the JV team. I sucked. I was the worst. <laughs> I was the worst kid. Um, I knew nothing about basketball. The coach was like, set a screen. I'm like, all I know about screens are green screens. Like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> And, and so there's this senior, I'll never forget his name is, uh, K-Ron, uh, I forgot his last name, but, um, I wouldn't, I shouldn't share it on the pod anyway, but, um, <laughs> he's like, Raj, I want you to go home and watch Kobe every, like, Kobe every day. I'm like, why? Like, I'm not trying to be in the NBA, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to, like, make this little basketball team here. He's like, no, I want you to go home and watch Kobe. This was the 0708 campaign. So I was watching around December, this is before they traded for Powell, right? And I'm like, holy crap. 
this is amazing. Like, and I started watching more games and like, I was, and then around January, I started like being really consistent watching it. After that, I don't think I missed a game on purpose in what that was 07 is 2020. Mm -hmm. So I haven't missed a game on purpose in 13 years. And when, when he passed, like, it was a shock, of course, but I mean, it's gonna sound a little selfish, but like, I thought I wouldn't be able to watch basketball again. You know what I mean? Like, I thought I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Like, I didn't watch a game. I didn't do anything until the Portland game. Yep. And then, as the Portland game started, I still didn't care about, like, the score or nothing. And then once, like, it started getting close and I, it, like, felt like I wanted to win, like, that was such a relief to me. Like, I was like, like, and that stayed with me. And, like, I, I feel very grateful for that. And it's weird, like, I was, I didn't really have a passion as a kid. I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I loved this game, this sport. And that kind of like brought me closer to a lot of people. My mom, like, my mom was a single mother. She worked all the time. And, uh, but this was something like she'd come home and watch the games with me. And like, we really bonded, uh, bonded over that. And it, it's just crazy. I didn't, I didn't know how someone could touch your life in that way. Um, and I wasn't sure why I was crying, like, so much. And I realized it's because, like, you probably knew Kobe more than family members. You know what I mean? Like, that was someone you watch every night. That was something that was always there. There was, like, he wasn't going to leave you for something. Like, he was always there to entertain. He gave his heart out. And just to see it gone, like, like it, it was so, so painful. But I, like, I feel like he touched so many lives, like, Going, I don't know if you guys, well, obviously, Rick, you're not here, but Ollie, have you gone down to Staples Center? Like, yeah. the, the people there, you see grown men, like, bawling their eyes out, like, these, just because he, he touched so many lives, yeah. and it, I, I, I never got to meet him, uh, obviously, I'll never get to meet him, I, that was like a bucket list of mine, um, I, I feel, I feel grateful that I went to see him, one of his last games, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm always be thankful for, um, his not just work ethic just the way he lived his life he dedicated mm -hmm. his life to a craft and he showed that if you put your time in and your work then you will grow and you'll get to where you want to go he's a big reason why i've been successful um in this country and uh, i i thank him for everything um and obviously my prayers are out to the bryant family and all that <laughs> sorry but uh yeah um to gianna obviously seeing gianna gone is just I feel like we grow up with her, you know what I mean? Mm. I've seen her grow. It's just sad, but um, I, I think he'll be remembered forever. Um, I don't think this will be forgotten anytime soon. I, I don't watch a game and think about it. Um, and yeah, I, I think he'll be here in spirit forever with us. So. Uh, the one thing I will say, which is sort of a tragic lesson um, that you take from situations like this, but especially when it's someone who affects you in such an impactful way is that you really do got to appreciate the people you have here with you um because not every day is promised something as um something as mundane as taking your child to a basketball game could be a, a tragedy in waiting um so you do have to appreciate all your loved ones all your friends um so with that said i i want to say i appreciate you guys uh, every week getting to talk basketball before the pod talk about life chop stuff up mm -hmm. um ali talking to you on the phone you know i, I appreciate 
you know, I, I talk to you guys more than some people <laughs> that I've known for a really long time, um, including some family members, to be honest yeah, with you. So, um, so I really appreciate sort of the relationship we've been able to have and, and what we've been able to do. That's uh, seriously, I, I genuinely like love doing this with you guys. Like, like you even said, like beforehand, like when we're just talking, there'll be times where we talk for like 20, 30 minutes before we actually start the pod. <laughs> And just like you said, chopping about life and like there's not many people I do that with. So I appreciate you guys a lot. Same here. Appreciate you guys. Um, it's, it's really cool to find other people who are as passionate about something as you are. And I think that's rare. Um, especially I think it was cool when we actually met in person in <laughs> Vegas. I thought that was that was pretty, pretty dope yeah. um, to find find other people. So I appreciate you all. Yeah. The next time we meet, I have different hair, so I hope you guys recognize me. (laughs) But without any further ado, this has been The Forum. Peace. Peace.